church lately. Um, in the topic of prayer, we're, we're going to be having uh, well, this lesson today and then even more to come on the topic of prayer. And we were pushing the congregation to a challenge that we want to begin February 1st. We're calling it a 28-day you know, prayer challenge. Well, we're, we're in February, so we're kind of what we're doing is we're assigning 28 different topics, one topic per day to mention in your daily prayers. We believe there's power in prayer, and we believe it is often a neglected power. We know that prayer benefits us, and sometimes we forget the need to pray, and there's also power in collecting prayer. You probably got in the mail this week um, the 28-day prayer challenge. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up there um, in the entry um, on the music stand there, but this is something we want to do as a congregation. We want to be a praying people. We want to be praying together about the same thing, and so last week, as we introduced this topic, we discussed that in our prayers to God, we need to have that open line of communication. You know, God illustrates the topic of prayer with the relationship between a father and a son. You know, that's an open line of communication, an open dialogue that you're supposed to have. Jesus also illustrates the example of prayer, or kind of communication between friends, a willingness to talk, a willingness to talk sometimes even at difficult times. Um, at inconvenient times that you have that confidence that you can approach your friend. Well, this morning, I want us to continue talking about prayer, but I want you, if you would for a moment, to not think about prayer. I want you to think about breathing. Yeah. I want you right now to think about yourself breathing and how as we've been sitting here and as I've been talking, your body has been, without you even noticing it, you would notice it if it stopped, but without even, you know, acknowledging it, you're breathing in, you're breathing out. I remember even as a kid, I've done it as an adult. I tried to observe my body automatically breathing. You can't do it, right? You ever tried to do that? It's like all of a sudden you're holding your breath. And you're, okay. Because you can't, it's like when you think about breathing, it, it doesn't always happen, you know, but there's a natural, you know, occurrence that as long as you're healthy and your body parts are working right, as you exist, you're going to breathe in you're going to breathe out. Now, there's times that you get very intentional with your breathing, too. There's, there's the natural breathing that just occurs, but then there's also intentional breathing. I know I think about when, when I'm running. When I'm running, if I'm not careful how I'm breathing, I might get excited. You ever have that happen, right? When one of the things that I do, and I'm not a great runner, but one of the ways that I've cemented it is I have a, a rhythm to my breathing. I do two breaths in with my step, two breaths out. As I'm stepping, I go with the rhythm of my feet. And if I keep that rhythm going when I'm breathing, and sometimes it's audible and it sounds kind of goofy. Luckily, I run by myself, um, and I have headphones in, so I can't hear it half the time anyway. You know, I have this rhythm going, and I'm intentional with my breathing, and I can accomplish a goal, and I can circumvent the silence. You know, you think about, um, have you ever had the wind knock you out? Even I don't know if that's a scientific term for it, but you ever hit your chest or your back so hard that all of a sudden you can't breathe? Well, one of the ways that you can prevent that, I know when I'm teaching kids, you know, hip throws and things like that, I teach them when you hit the ground, breathe out. You know, I crashed one time on a dirt bike. I didn't do that. I thought my lungs were collapsing and I was going to die because all of a sudden you can't take in any air. Well, if I were to breathe out and relax my lungs at the time of impact, be intentional with my breathing, that wouldn't happen. Well, what I want us to do as we think about prayer tonight, think of prayer this morning, think of prayer as breathing. Prayer needs to be natural like breathing. It's something you just do. But at the same time, there's occasions where you need to be very intentional with your prayers. Sometimes you're very intentional with your breathing. 
if you're trying to be a deep water dive without, you know, an oxygen tank, a lot of times these people, they'll breathe in and out rapidly, I guess, to oxygenate the tissues of their lungs. Then they take a deep breath and they dive. They're very intentional with their breathing for a specific purpose. But at the same time, breathing is also very natural for them. Prayer needs to be the same way. It needs to be our natural response throughout the day. When you have a need, it's in your body naturally inherently. We all have a need for God. We have a need for his guidance. We have a need for his forgiveness. We have a need to communicate with him. And then we have a need where we just naturally go to God in prayer. Now, there's times where you've got to be intentional, of course. There's times where you maybe have to direct purpose. This next month as we do our prayer challenge, that's very intentional in our prayer. But again, it's intentional action, but yet it corresponds with a natural occurrence in our day-to-day life. With that in mind, turn your Bibles to Luke 18. We're going to continue our discussion of prayer within a parable here that we have by Jesus. In fact, as you look through the book of Luke, I was noticing that Luke deals more with prayer than maybe some of the other Gospels do. He's very focused on the on the occasions in which Jesus talks about prayer. He records those for us. And I think we can learn a lot, of course, from what Jesus says about prayer. So let's read Luke chapter 18. This is Jesus in the middle of his ministry. He hasn't gone to the cross yet, and here's what it says. Now, he was telling them a parable showing that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. See, they had forgotten the need to pray. You know, if someone's forgotten the need to breathe, that's a big problem, right? You ever have a child that maybe got so upset that they're crying and they stop breathing? My kids have done this. As they get older, they don't, but as they're toddlers and stuff, maybe they get so upset or they get hurt and they have this. And me and Jenny are like, you got to breathe. You got to breathe. And then, and they wail, right? I mean, that's what they do. They, they forget the natural thing. As you get older, you forget that. Well, the disciples are like, maybe crying babies sometimes. And then they forget the need to pray. So Jesus is giving them this parable here saying, you need to pray all the time. Notice, at all times you ought to pray and not lose heart. We don't have to be told as adults, okay, every day now, at least every couple seconds you need to pray, right? If you have to be taught that, that's that's a sign of a problem, right? That's a serious medical condition if you're not remembering to breathe. That's why people, you know, they have all these sleep studies and stuff now about sleep apnea and things because you're not breathing the way you're supposed to when you're sleeping, right? That's a problem. Well, here he tells his disciples they ought to pray and not lose heart. And here is what he says. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. So you got this situation here. We're in this town. This is an illustration. It's a parable. If you're not familiar with parables, Jesus taught a lot in them. It's basically kind of an earthly story with a spiritual application to it. It's an an illustration that they would understand from their society, their cultural, but it makes sense to something spiritually speaking. All right, so he's talking about prayer, but he illustrates it with a judge here. He says, there in this city, there was a judge, and this judge isn't a nice guy. This judge does not fear God, and he does not respect men. He's not the person we would want to be judged. You know, when we talk about even political leaders and things, we want leaders, and we would hope that we could get them, and not always this is the case, that fear God and respect people, right? That's what we want. That makes for a good society. Well, here you have a judge who doesn't. 
He does not fear God, and he does not respect man. Now, your gut reaction a lot of times is when you think of judges and parables to think of God. Don't think of this guy as God. He's not. This is a man who doesn't represent God necessarily, but there is a, an application to God in this parable. So you've got a judge, a judge who doesn't respect man, who doesn't fear God. Then in verse 3, it says, and there was a widow in that city. And the widow, this is a woman whose spouse has passed on or something. Here it says, the widow, she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. So there's some sort of civil case or something going on here between this widow and someone else in the community. I mean, they had, you know, different some civil problems back then. Who do now? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It's an illustration. We're not supposed to make a big deal out of the details. And sometimes we do that. Side note here. Don't overthink parables. Like sometimes people get way too deep into them and you get into trouble. Jesus gives us the application of parables. When you start making up applications, you come up with all sorts of weird stuff like, you remember the person who was stuck in the house and didn't pay that rent? So let's be careful overthinking parables. But here you have this parable. You have Jesus says there's a widow. She goes to a judge. She asks the judge to give her legal protection from her opponent. But the judge isn't a nice guy, of course. Jesus already said it. So verse 4, for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So you have this this dialogue here. You have a judge who's not a nice guy. You have a widow who needs help. She keeps coming to the judge, and the judge initially keeps saying, no, I'm not going to help you. So she comes to him again, and the judge says, no, I'm not going to help you. Over and over and over again, the judge is saying no, but finally the judge says All right, this widow's been bothering me. If I don't say yes to her, she's going to just keep coming back over and over again. She's broken me down. She has wore me out, right? There's benefit to her keep coming back and keep pushing this issue. We do the same thing. We might not be talking to a judge, but have you ever had kind of a, a problem with customer service or something with a particular company you're dealing with? Well, put me on your higher up on the phone. Well, give me a manager. Give me a floor manager. Give me the CEO or somebody so we can fix this, right? Because I'm not getting off the phone. Maybe you're not listening to me. That's not true. It's all I got. You're, you're, you're good. But, I mean, I mean, you keep pushing, pushing, pushing. You do it long enough, you can get, you know, you can accomplish something a lot of times. Even from a customer service department that really doesn't care about customer service, you bug them long enough, usually all of a sudden they begin to care. Here's the situation here. The widow keeps coming to the judge over and over and over continually, and finally, the judge gives in. And then here's what it says, verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He said, now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? Now, Jesus now kind of speaks into this story through the judge, as if the judge is talking. But ultimately, it's Jesus talking to the disciples. So he gave the illustration of the widow persistently asking the judge. The judge grants the request. And now Jesus speaks in character, but he's speaking to the disciples. And he tells the disciples, don't you think that God 
is going to give justice to his elect. Let's break it down even more simple. We are the elect, children of God, the saved, Christians. He's saying, don't you think that God would answer the prayers of his children? You know, if they're crying out to him all day long, day and night. Remember, what is this parable about? This is a parable to show the need for constant prayer. It's not a prayer that really represents how to handle customer service. It's not a prayer that talks about how, or a parable that talks about how to handle judges. No, this is a parable designed to illustrate one point. And the one point is you need to be people who pray all the time. So Jesus says, don't you think that God would listen to his children who are constantly saying the same thing day and night over and over again? You know, I think about my relationship to my children. Sometimes they'll tell me something, and I don't take it too seriously. My children will say, you used to be like that, right? I mean, they're kids. That's what happens. They've said it for a couple hours now. My tummy hurts. And I'm like, okay, mommy, I'm fixing something. Then about midnight when they're saying, my tummy hurts, I'm going, then all of a sudden, I'm taking it seriously and running to the bathroom, right? I was not cute when they did that. But I mean, you know, at first, the tummy ache didn't wasn't that big of a deal, but they kept saying it over and over and over again. And you know what? I listened. There was power. Now they illustrated it very well at the end too. But there was power in their continual petition of their father, being tied to the prayer. So here's what Jesus says, verse eight. He says, "I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes." Will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus is saying, if you continually go to God in prayer, he will listen to you. When you think about Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, the very word ask, the verb there is continual action. You continually ask God and he continually provides. You continually seek, he continually gives. You continually pray, Luke chapter 18, he will continually hear you and he will deliver you he will provide you justice but the real question that jesus says is when jesus does come again is he going to find faith on the earth well if you're not praying to him continually maybe your faith is questioned i think that's what he's saying remember if you look back at chapter 18 verse 1 he's telling the disciples to pray and not lose heart a person who loses heart is similar to what a person who lacks continually pray because if you don't when the son of man comes back is he going to find faith on the earth well if we are a continually praying people who no matter what in our life trust in god who when times get rough we pray to god when times are good we pray to god when we need guidance we pray to god when we're thankful we pray to god when we need mercy and grace we pray to god if that's us that's a people of faith that's a faith is the idea of depending upon God for something that you can't do. Prayer is the ultimate example of faithfulness because it's you saying, I can't help myself. I need your help, God. That's why baptism is so important. Baptism isn't you saving yourself because, hey, look at me. I washed my hands. Well, no. Baptism is you crying out to God for forgiveness of sin, saying, I can't take care of my sin problem, God. Only Jesus on the cross could. I need his blood to cleanse me. I need to emulate his death, burial, resurrection, and I do it the way you commanded through baptism because I trust you and not myself. That's faith. 
here is faith seen in prayer. The widow continually petitioned. Meaning it's continually petitioned. God. The continual communication with God is a representation of your personal faith. Are you willing and are you constantly talking to God? Or do you think you have it all figured out on your own? If you think you don't need God, that's a lack of faith. And here's the question that needs to be asked. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will we find faith in the Western Prayer Church of God? Will we be a people who pray? Or are we going to be a people who say, oh, it's just us. We got it all figured out. You know, I shared an article uh, on Facebook earlier this week, and I know several of you liked it, commented, shared it. Um, it was well, you know, deserved. But the article was about how the church needs to be a haven for, for people that are hurt, that are broken, that are damaged, that, that have problems. Because we all have problems, right? We all have things that we all need Jesus. And one of the, the points I made when sharing the article was so often we're, we're so prideful and arrogant, we don't want to admit that we do need a Savior. We don't want to admit that we have problems too, and we kind of come off as holier than thou, and people that are willing to confess their own problems don't want to confess them to us because they think we have no problems. We need to be a people of faith who trust in God and lean our problems upon Him. We see that in prayer. So the lesson then and the application for us is there is a neglected power there to continual praying. You're not tapping into it, though. Jesus says there's power to persistent prayer, meaning to pray day and night all the time. I made the illustration that prayer should be as natural as breathing. It is just what we do. You think about 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 that says pray without ceasing. Now, I know that doesn't mean walk through life, you know, going like this. It's the idea of constant communication with God. It is just your natural response. Something good happens, you say, thank you, God. You know, you, you think about your life, you, you, you ask God to help you. you. You you hear an announcement about someone who could use some help, you pray for them. Even little things. When someone online requests, please pray for me, you don't just like the status, you legitimately pray for them, right? It is something that you do. We pray continually. We are constantly on our knees. We are constantly in prayer. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. Would you fulfill yourself as a son of the day? Now, I don't just mean, well, every in our family, Dallas and Kelly are around the corner. We pray for prayer too. We will. But not just that. Would you say that your natural response to life's scenarios is prayer? Would you say that if your family were to characterize you, they would say, he or she is a prayer person, or would that not be one of the first claims? that they make. And I'm speaking to myself here because I struggle with this. I, I got to sort of make some prayer. I, I, I get distracted easily. I don't like asking for help. And yet, I need to be a person of prayer. I need to be asking God for help. I need to be coming to Him and admitting my needs for Him. I need to be continually asking Him. Before I make a big decision, I like to research out all the options. A lot of times, so I don't need a God of prayer, I should. Before I make a, a big purchase, I might be looking at consumer reports online. I might be reading Amazon reviews. I might be, or before a decision I make in life, I might be talking to friends, talking to Zoom. Am I talking to God? I need to be 
devote ourselves to prayer. We need to be persistently praying. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. We need to pray all the time. We need to be devoted to prayer. And ultimately, it will look different to people who pray. Jesus told them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. In a couple of, in a week or so, we're going to begin our 28-day prayer challenge. But I challenge you to not just in February, but all the time, become a people of prayer. We can accomplish so much for God in this place if you were praying people. Your spiritual life would be so much better. Your faith would be so much stronger. Mine would too if I just prayed more. And just from a real practical level, think about, you know, the moment you just open your eyes after maybe bowing your head and closing them and praying to God, you probably haven't prayed for church at all. You're probably not going to immediately be angry towards your fellow man. You're probably not going to go out there and commit some sins because you just talked to God, right? It changes your outlook on life. Well, if you're always talking to God, it will help you always make better choices. Let's be a people of prayer. So that's going to do it this morning. We're going to sing an invitation song, but there's something we can pray about for you. When we sing this song, you can come forward. One of the elders will be up here. They can meet with you, and you can take your prayer request. If you're here and you want to learn more about this God that we pray to, we'll plug you into a Bible study. If you're here and you know God, you've heard his word, you've learned about what Jesus did for you on the cross, and you want to come to him expressing you know, that devotion to him by being baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away so that you can become a child of God, we can help you do that too this morning as together we sing an invitation song. Thank you.